Yeah. That's pretty cool stuff, right? Man, that is awesome. That is why we do what we do here at Crossroads Church. We exist to serve people toward and connect people to Jesus. He gets to be the focal point. He's the beginning of it. He's the end of it. He gets all the credit for it. We get all the joy somehow. I don't know why that worked out that way. He's like, hey, you're just going to enjoy me like crazy forever. And it's going to start in part now and all off into eternity. And so, man, I want to encourage you, if you've got people in your life that you've been praying for, don't stop praying for them. If you've got people that you're like, man, I want you to experience the hope that I've experienced in Jesus, go and find them and encourage them and love on them and eventually invite them to follow Jesus with you. We have a mission here, and part of that mission right now, part of this super fun five-year vision involves baptizing 1,500 people over the next five years. And so I'm keeping track. That's part of what I'm doing. And so that's three down, which means 1,497 to go. That sounds exciting, right? And when I look around at our cities, at our neighborhoods, at our workplaces, at our families, we're not exactly at lack for people who need Jesus, right? And we absolutely believe that Jesus is the answer, that he's made a way for us to experience true life, peace, and purpose with God the Father again. So I, let's do it. Let's find these people and bring them in that they could experience what we've experienced in forgiveness and freedom and real life. This is good stuff. My name is Tim Griesbach. I get to be one of our pastors here at Crossroads Church. And in June of 19, of 19, of 2019, I did something that Pastor Kim has been inviting us or people to do for as long as I've ever interacted with him. Perhaps you've heard one of the times where he's encouraged you to go home, stand in front of a mirror, take off all your clothes and look at yourself. That's a little weird thing for a senior pastor to say, but I've heard him say it probably over two dozen times. And so in June of 2019, I was like, all right, I'm going to do this. And so I went home and I took off all my clothes, awkward, looked at myself in the mirror, awkward. And then I forced myself to relax all of my muscles, right? All the muscles, especially in the gut region that you're using to kind of like fake yourself out. Like, yeah, I'm not doing too bad. You know, all those muscles, like no, relax. And uh, man, I wouldn't, I just, I was surprised at how long it took me to like, seriously, Tim, relax. I mean, it's just me and you here. Like, let's just be honest for a second. Relax your dang gut muscles. And so finally I relaxed and I looked at myself, you know, did a profile, relax, look at yourself. And I thought, wow, that mirror is not lying to me. <laughs> this is what it is. See, I was going to turn 35 the next month. And I realized if I could turn 35, I can turn 40. And I thought to myself, if I continue on my current trajectory and hit 40, I'm going to be set up for a not so pleasant second half of my life. And so it was time to make a change. It was time to get a little bit serious about health and fitness, all these things that I know are important, but I really didn't care much for, right? And so I started digging into it. So I kind of gave myself a little mantra, like fit by 40. Like that's the goal. I'm going to be fit by 40. And just so that you know, like the picture that I have in my head, it's kind of fun, of fit by 40 is that picture of Captain America from the Winter Soldier movie where he's like, like he's, like he's holding the helicopter onto the building, right? Yes, like, like this, like, oh, like that. That's the picture I have in my mind. Like, I'm going to get to there. And I don't actually know if I'm going to get there because some of you are probably thinking to yourself right now, like, 
good luck, kid. <laughs> like Chris Evans, like I don't even know if he's there. Um, but this is the playful picture I have in my mind of what fit by 40 might look like. And so I started the process of digging in and trying to understand, like, what does it actually take to be fit or healthy or any of that? And you would be shocked at how many times I encountered a phrase, you know, a link somewhere that said, here's the one food you need to start eating in order to lose 15 pounds. Or here's the one exercise you need to do to get six-pack abs. Or here's the one other thing that you need to incorporate in your life in order to get shredded for summer. But as I started digging into the details, I realized really quickly, like, there is not one thing that you need to do. There's a whole lot of things that you need to do. Like health and fitness is really complicated. God made our bodies in a very complicated way. I mean, if you, you know, work out really hard, but don't eat right and don't rest, you're not going to get there, right? If you rest really well and eat really well, but don't work out, you're, probably, you're not going to get there. And so I started to realize, man, there's a lot of things that are involved when it comes to becoming fit physically. And I think the same thing is actually true of what it means to be fit spiritually. Like when we're looking at spiritual growth, that there aren't any silver bullets when it comes to your spiritual growth. There's not like one thing you do. That's because spiritual growth happens in holistic community. That's the word or phrase that we're using to describe this picture of like the optimal setting for you to be growing spiritually. In the same way that if you want to grow and develop physically, you're going to need some nutrition, you need some good rest, you know, good water intake, you're going to need to work out with good technique and the right intensity. In the same way that that's all true, when it comes to our spiritual fitness, there are things, practices that we need to be engaged in if we want to actually grow spiritually. And, and as Crossroads Church, we've identified five specific things that all we kind of just put it all in the category of holistic community or what contributes towards holistic community. And so last week, Pastor Matt introduced us to the first one, practical application. And that's specifically about God's word, like taking in and not just let, you know, becoming smarter people when it comes to God's word, but actually letting it live out in our decision-making, in our living, in our relationships and all of that. The next one up is prayer, and we're going to talk about that some today. Next week, Pastor Chris will walk us through vulnerability and what role that has to play within our spiritual growth and development. And then we'll talk about spiritual friendships in week four and in week five, missional living. And when you put all these things together, you end up with this holistic community that is the optimal setting for us when it comes to spiritual growth. And I really want every single one of us who call this place our home, our church, I want us to be as spiritually healthy as we can be. I want us to be thriving in all of these areas. And so today we're going to look specifically at prayer. And if you've got a Bible or Bible app, uh, you can get ahead of me. We're going to be in Acts chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 23. Because Acts is a book in the New Testament where we really get to see the storyline of some of the very first followers of Jesus. Some of the very first disciples, they got this mission from Jesus to take the good news about Jesus into all the world, starting in their city and then going outward into the whole rest of the world. And what we see in Acts is that playing out. We see them doing their best to actually live out that missional mandate from Jesus. And right before chapter 4, we have, or in this chapter, we have this really interesting interaction with two of the disciples specifically. That they're going back into the temple like they've done many times before. 
And on their way in through one of the gates, they see this man who was unable to walk. And the Bible says that he had been like that his whole life, 40 years, this guy had been unable to walk. He'd been lame. He'd been stuck there. And so his lot in life every day was to be taken to this gate, to be sat down so that he could ask his other fellow citizens to give him a little bit of money so that he could make ends meet. And then he would be taken home and the next day would all happen again. This was his lot in life. But this time was a little bit different and he didn't even know what was about to happen. So as Peter and John came through the gate this time, you know, he looked up at them like normal and said, you know, will you give me some money? And they paused, and I'm sure there was like a little moment where Peter was like, uh, what do you think, John? And John's like, push Peter, because that's all he ever has to do. If he just pushes Peter a little bit, Peter is going to do something. And so he like probably just pushes Peter, and Peter ends up like, okay, um, so I don't have money to give you, but I'll give you what I do have in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Rise and walk. And the guy does. He gets up and for the first time he starts walking. And you can just imagine, right? He's like, hey, this is pretty sweet. And then he's probably like, hey, we should go for a run. Or like, who knows what happens next? But this is an exciting moment. And it causes a little bit of a stir that the people around are noticing. And they're going, hey, that's Jerry. He's been stuck there forever. He's walking. What happened? And they're coming over and he's just like, I don't know. These guys, they said in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise and walk. And I did. And so all of a sudden this news is spreading throughout this part of the city to the degree that the religious leaders are going, hold on. Isn't, isn't Jesus that one that we just killed? And now miracles happened in his name. Like, golly, no, we can't have this. Like, this is just going to cause all these problems. This is going to cause problems with Rome. It's going to cause problems with our own religious. Like, no, we can't have this happen. And so they took Peter and John and had them arrested, thrown in jail overnight. And the next day brought Peter and John before them and said, so you can't do that anymore. (laughs) You can't go around healing people, especially in the name of Jesus. You can't go around proclaiming this kingdom of Jesus, whatever that is, like, you have to stop. And Peter and John's response was, okay, if, if you're telling us we have to choose, like, whether we're going to listen to you or whether we're going to listen to God who's given us this mandate, like, we're going to listen to God all day. And the religious leaders, though they were frustrated, looked, and there's the guy who's clearly been healed in the name of Jesus. What are they going to do? So they threatened them. <laughs> Like, if you do this again, we are going to hurt you and then release him. And what we want to pay attention to is what do Peter and John do once they're released from that situation? What's the first thing that they do? I wonder for you, what's the first thing you would probably do in that situation? I imagine a lot of us would have a tendency to like go on social media and start complaining about the injustice we just experienced. Like, can you believe these people? They just locked me up for a night, and how ridiculous is this? And that's not okay. Others of us would probably start to put together a plan, right? We'd start counting up our resources and be like, well, okay, so those guys have a lot of influence and authority. But I mean, like, we have, we have some resources too. And there's a couple people in our group that have some money. Like, we're going to be okay, right? Like, we can, we can just fight their influence, and I bet we'll win. This is what I think I would probably be prone to do in a situation like that. I'd be prone to take one of these courses, but what do they do? Let's find out, picking it up in verse 23 of chapter 4. When they were released, 
They went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the, the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. The first thing that these guys did after being released from this pretty traumatic experience was to gather back together and to pray. And there's several things that we're going to see are significant about this prayer, but I just love that this is their go-to first response. Their go-to first response isn't let's make a plan. It's not let's count up our resources. It's not like let's figure this out on our own. It's just going to God. And this is the first thing I notice about the prayer really is that their prayer was this communal expression of dependency on God. That because they went there first, they were declaring, God, we don't have what it takes to do whatever needs to happen next. We are in over our head when it comes to accomplishing your mission. So will you help? Will you please help us? Because we want to follow through on this mission. We want to bring the good news of Jesus into this city, into this country, and into the world. But God, we can't do it on our own. So will you please help? There was this communal expression of dependence. The second thing that I love about their prayer was its content. I mean, in my life, I probably would be, uh, I would tend towards praying prayers like, Lord, will you give me peace or comfort me as I experience this? Or I might even pray something like, will you rescue me from this situation? Like, did you hear their threats? God, rescue me. I don't want to experience the other side of that. Get me out of this thing. But what was the context for them? They didn't say rescue me. They said, Lord, will you give us boldness? Will you give us boldness? When they looked at the value of the mission ahead of them, of taking the good news of Jesus to their city, to their country, and to the whole world, they said, this mission has to happen. It's just so valuable. We have to get this thing done. And so what's the highest risk? Like, what's the biggest obstacle that's probably able to stop it from happening? Well, it's if we turn into cowards. <laughs> If we decide we're not willing to actually suffer what we might have to suffer in order to see this mission fulfilled. And so, Lord, don't like take us out of the situation. Instead, they said, please give us boldness. And they knew that they were following in the footsteps of Jesus. And what did it cost him? 
his life, right? I mean, they crucified him. So what they're saying by asking for boldness is like, even to death, give us courage, give us boldness to follow through on the mission that you've given us. And the last thing I love about their prayer here is that they didn't just pray their own best ideas and their own thoughts, but they took a piece of God's own word and prayed it back to him. In your Bible, I don't know if you noticed this, but like at the that little part halfway through verse 25, it's kind of indented. And it's, you know, the why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? They're, they're quoting the beginning of Psalm chapter 2. Because they've identified that that psalm isn't just talking about this vague anointed one. But they realize now like, oh, the anointed one that that psalm was referring to was actually Jesus. And they looked at it and said, yeah, the Gentiles, the nations, like they really did plot against Jesus. And so they acknowledge it right off the bat. And they said, God, this is not a surprise to you. In fact, we see that this is in fact in line with your plan, with your purpose. And they pray his very word back to him. I love that about this small, simple prayer. And I find it encouraging and, to be honest, a little bit challenging. But I can't help but notice the way that God responds to this specific prayer. We see a response. We don't always see a response to every prayer, right? Like, it's not like God in, in Scripture obviously, like, steps in and, and does something very specific. Sometimes we just see, especially in the Psalms, like these cries that you're like, wow, that's, that's very honest of the psalmist. This is a plea from their heart to, to God. But here we see that God responds. It's in verse 31, right? And we see that he responds in three ways. And it starts off with his response of power. It says, and when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. Any of y'all been in a prayer gathering where the room like shook afterwards, like you had an earthquake? I got to think that that would be scary, but I also, I got, I got to think, I, I think I would like it. <laughs> like I want to experience God's power moving in our world. I want to see him do the kinds of things that only he can do, where he says, yeah, let's do this thing. I am not at a loss of resource. I am not at a loss of power. That we go to him and plead with him because for him, nothing is difficult. I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but there is nothing that is any more difficult than any other thing for God. It is as easy for God to lift up a rock as a mountain because there's just no spectrum of difficulty. Everything is easy for him. And in this one moment, you see his power show through. Like, this isn't just a human activity. There's something supernatural, something divine happening here. This is the first thing that we see in God's response to the disciples' prayer. The second thing that we see is his presence. That he responds in his very presence. He says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, if you're a little bit of like a... Bible nerd, like myself, where I tend to like want to understand as much as I possibly can. In fact, I want to understand as much as is understandable when it comes to God's word. I, I, I want to have categories for every little thing and make sure that I, I know how they're all interconnected. I want to understand, because I love God, I want to understand him. And this is part of how he's revealed himself, a huge part of it. But every now and then you encounter things in his revelation where, at least for me, I go, okay, 
I don't know that I have really great categories for this because weren't these people, God, already filled with your spirit? Like if I turn the page back a couple, like didn't we see your spirit fill them just recently? So what's with this? Why will you fill them again? And like there's theologians that would say, oh no, the filling's only once. There's other theologians that say, oh no, the filling is like many, 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 many times or who knows what, right? All I know is that when I encounter stuff like that, my approach is to go, okay, I don't know that I can understand it, but I'm going to take you at your word, God. <laughs> so like if you say you can fill people more than once because they were filled and then here they're filled again, like all I know is that when it comes to my life, when I meet with you in prayer, I want the result of that to be f- being filled with you again. So that in every circumstance, whether that's just me relating with my wife at home or whether that's at work or whether that's at the rec center in Fort Lupton, like I want to be filled up so much with you every day that I'm just sort of overflowing your presence in my life. The people are able to just meet with you because I've spent some time with them. I want to be full of your spirit so that I can stay in step with what you are doing. Man, I want that kind of response from God as a result of our prayers. And then the third way that God responds is with provision. It says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. He answered their prayer. I love this. It's like God just looked at their prayer and said, yeah, you've asked really, really good things. Like this, you've asked for the right thing. And so, yes, I want to answer that prayer. And this really shouldn't be a surprise for us, right? Even Jesus himself in Matthew chapter 18 said this in verse 19. He said, again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. Did you see it here too, where they talked about they're doing these things in the name of Jesus. The miracle was performed in the name, and even in their prayer, they talk about God performing these things through the name of Jesus. And so he answers them in power. He answers them with his presence And he answers them by providing the thing that they've requested. And I want to ask you, like, do you want to pray like that? Do you want to have prayer in your life result in God moving in his power and presence and provision? I do. I want that for every single one of us. And I'm not talking about provision in terms of like, give me a nice car, God. Because again, I'm praying this in the name of Jesus. And I don't know if Jesus cares what kind of car I drive as long as it's going to get me to my neighbor's house. (laughs) This provision that he offers here is like everything you're going to need to sustain the mission I've given you. If you need it, I got it. Because there's no end to his resource. Do you want to pray like that? The last thing I want to notice about their prayer is that it wasn't done in isolation. It's not like they all went back to their own individual houses. I mean, like Jesus said, right? He said it in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, when you pray, don't make it this public show. Like, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who's in secret so that he'll reward you in secret. Like, he said that. But their prayer here wasn't this, like, secret thing. 
Because that wasn't like only talking about always only praying together. This is them getting together to pray. This is them encouraging each other and, and doing what Jesus said in the Matthew 18 passage of gathering two or three or more in his name, praying, asking, God, will you please bring about this thing that is just too much for us? Will you please bring about this supernatural result? Will you ultimately empower us to fulfill the mission that you've given us in this world? And so I want to get real practical for a, a few moments. And I want to really hone in and talk to you men, whether you're watching online or you're here in the room. Like, I want to talk to you men because I believe that God has given you this special role of leadership in your life. And I believe that he's calling you as men to lead in the different relationships that you have in life and that prayer is a part of how that happens. So men, if you're married, I wanna challenge you. Pray with your wife. Pray with your wife every single day. Lord willing, she's your, like, your only wife, you're her only husband. Like you have this unique, distinct role in her life to encourage her and to draw her into the presence of God like no one else in her life can do. And that you do this by leading her in prayer. A lot of you know my own story, that in the past I was married before I got married to Christy, and that, and that ended in divorce, and that it was kind of messy. And so, like, when I got married to Christy, I know, like, from the very get-go, I'm like, I can't take this for granted. Because this isn't a sure thing. I thought that previous marriage was a sure thing. I thought that can't possibly end. But here I am, and I'm like, I, I, don't, I don't know all of the facts, but like, all I know is I can't take this for granted. And so before we even got married, one of the things that we started doing every single day in the evening before we go to bed is just pray together. And over the years, that can get a little challenging, right? Because you tend to, as any married couple, you tend to slip into kind of routines and rote conversations, and so some of your prayers can start sounding the same. But recently, Pastor Matt had hooked me up because I, you know, I, he's one of the people that encourages me in my own life, one of my spiritual friends. And uh, just talking about prayer and the value of prayer in our lives when it comes to praying with our spouses. And he said that he and Sarah actually recently started using this book called The Songs of Jesus. It's by Timothy Keller. And it's just a really simple daily devotional where they look at the psalm and then they have a little explanation and then a short little prayer. He said one of the things that they've started doing is, is using that little prayer at the end to kind of like springboard their own prayers. And so I got it for me and my wife. And so we started using it recently where we're, we're just, I mean, it's really short. It's really easy. Because I know that some of you, when I said, husbands, pray with your wife, you're like, I don't know what to say. <laughs> what on earth should I pray? Like, I get it. This is a good idea. Very nice. But like, I'm not that kind of a guy. Well, that's okay. You don't need to be that kind of a guy. There are so many tools. And it's just too valuable of a thing to pass up because you don't have all of those skills developed at this point in your life. That we have opportunities through this or other daily devotionals. But to spend time with your spouse. Spend time with your wife and lead her in prayer. Man, if you have children, if you're a dad, if you're a father, you have a distinct opportunity in your life to put on display for your kid or kiddos what the father's love is like. 
You are the only person in their life that gets to put that on display in that unique and specific way. And so fathers, pray with your kids. Take time. It is more valuable than probably just about anything else you would do with them through any given day. But spend time with them every single day, leading them into the presence of God through prayer. So that when they hit their teen years and beyond, and they experience difficulty, when they experience threats from the world that says, we don't care about your mission, that they will have had an example in their lives to say, okay, this is how I'll do it. I'm going to go first to the Father, and I'm just going to ask him for help. Because my earthly dad showed me that he is always there, ready to listen. And that he will always give me what I need when it comes to fulfilling the mission that he's given me. So fathers, lead your kiddos in prayer. And if you're single, that's fine. Pray with your friends. Find friends in your life that are willing to have a deeper relationship than just talking about what sporting activity is interesting at the time of the year. Like that's more interesting than just cars or the handful of other fascinating things we can occupy our minds with here on this world, right? Because in a hundred billion years, it's all just dust. But the reality is that every single human being that you encounter, every single one of your friends is on some level immortal. As C.S. Lewis said, right? They're like either going to be immortal to the degree where if you looked at them, you wouldn't even think you could stand in their presence. You're just like, what are you or immortal horrors, suffering separation eternally from God's presence. So develop those friendships and say, hey, will you just pray with me? Will you join me in prayer? Because like, I don't, I don't just want to talk about fun things. I want to talk about real things. I want to talk about like what God has for us, because I think that God has some incredible things for us, for you, here, in Colorado. Like I said, we've got this vision for the next five years. We want to reach people. And there's no shortage of people in our lives who desperately need to experience the peace and the purpose that can be had through the forgiveness of Christ on the cross, restoring our relationship with God the Father. And on a real personal note, like if I haven't convinced you yet <laughs> that prayer can play a larger life in your role than it probably is, I just want to share like over the last couple months, man, it's been really difficult personally for me. And I don't say that so that you feel bad for me or that you pity me or anything like that. Like that's not the goal. It's just I've found that like the last couple months to be spiritually and emotionally and physically just exhausting. I've been trying to figure out all the details of why, God, why is it? It feels like the enemy has this access to just pepper my mind with lies. And so every day I feel like I'm just tired from like holding on to truth and trying desperately not to believe all this crud that he's throwing my way. And you know which moments have been the moments for me where I have felt peace? It hasn't been the, the times where I can step away from work for a day or two and play video games and just relax. It hasn't been the moments where I get to share a glass of wine with my wife at the end of a day. I mean, these are nice things, right? It hasn't been the times when I can come into the church and do really good work that I know is meaningful. It's not even the times when I'm playing music or helping to lead worship. 
The times for me in the past two months that have been the most profound experiences of peace have been times when I've been able to just pray with other people around me. My time in the evening, especially this last week of getting to pray with my wife, where we open up this book and like we've been taking turns reading and starting the prayer and the other person will finish it. And, and I've just been so incredibly encouraged when I hear her pray. There's something about it that's different than when I get to pray by myself. There's something about being reminded of her heart for my Savior. And I just remember like we're in this thing together. And then I had another distinct experience here at church recently where all staff was here and we kind of split up into different groups that were doing different things. And one of the things we did was just pray a little bit together. And the group decided to pray for me that day. And so they gathered around me and they put their hands on me and they just prayed for me. And in the moment being reminded like, wow, God, I really am not alone in this. Like you are moving and I can trust you. I mean, just that experience of peace. I really want every single one of us to have access to that in our lives. I want every single one of us to have people in our lives that we can connect with in prayer. <laughs> that we just take alongside us and go, okay, let's go meet with God together. Whether that's your spouse or your kids or, or friends or all of the above. <laughs> I want us to be able to meet with God together. And you know what's really cool about all this? Like the reason we get to meet together with God, the Father, is because of the Son, Jesus. Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. And so when he went to the cross and he died, he made a way for us to be forgiven, to get access to the Father again. And it's even better than that, because it says in Romans that he rose and he's at the right hand of the Father and he is interceding for us. Did you realize Jesus himself is praying for you? I love that. That Jesus himself is sitting next to the Father. And when I pray, and when it's in line with what he has for me, right? When I'm agreeing with him, which is what praying in his name means. It means joining in Jesus' prayer. That when I'm doing that, it's like Jesus is like, hey, Dad, hey, Dad, hey, Dad, look at that, look at that. Let's say yes to that. Doesn't that sound exciting? That's awesome. Oh, man, let's say yes to that one, too. I want to see that happen, Dad. And that God the Father gets to delight in his Son by saying yes to our prayers because they come through the Son. So just like I said at the beginning, it all ends up being about Jesus and for him. That in the end, one of the many things I get to say to my Savior when I see him face to face is, thank you for praying for me. <laughs> thank you for never letting me do this thing alone. Thank you for going with me through it all. And if you hear me talk like that and you're thinking to yourself, I don't know that he's actually with me, but I'd like to learn a little bit more about that. <laughs> Like, that's what we want to do. We want to help connect you to him. We've got a really simple way, because it's 2021 and most people have phones, that you can text Jesus to our phone number 
And it's not like a robot is sitting there to kind of like boop, boop, pop and send off your information or whatever. Like, it's just us talking back with you that if you say, man, I want to follow Jesus or I want to find out more about Jesus, like you could text Jesus there and we'll connect with you and say, yes, what do you want to know? Because we would love to help you follow him with us. Because we found in this life, like there is nothing like him. He is the answer to whatever, like, the question is that you're up against in life, we find the answer in Christ. We find our peace and purpose in Christ. In the end, we get to give all the glory to Christ in worship. And so I want to pray for you right now. And if if you're wanting to do that, I'm going to pray for you specifically And then I'll pray for the rest of us that God would help us to be people that pray together. That we would experience his power and his presence and provision to accomplish his mission in this world. Would you join me in praying? Father, we thank you that you have made a way for us to be right with you through your son, Jesus. Thank you so much for not leaving us on our own, that you made us to look like you and and yet we rejected that plan and slandered your reputation. But you didn't just let us slip off into oblivion. At great cost to yourself, you entered into this creation of yours as a man, as Jesus. And you lived the life that we should have lived. But in your death, You made a way for what we deserve to be paid for in Christ's death. And in his resurrection, you've just shown off your power and glory and said that everything that you've said is true. So we thank you, Father. And I pray, Lord, that as people are listening here right now, I pray that you would move in their hearts, that they would experience your power and your presence right now. And that as you invite them into your family, Lord Jesus, that you would give them your peace as they decide to follow you, as they decide to trust in you, to let you become the king of their lives, as they decide to let you be the one to call the shots. And God, I pray that you would instantly give them your peace and empower them, fill them with your spirit and with your joy and with purpose as you invite them into this mission. I pray, God, that you would help every single one of us to not think so little of spending time together in your presence in prayer. Help us to understand how precious it is to you and that At times, Lord, this is what we absolutely need. That when we say we want to see you move in incredible ways, like it's prayer. Like we're going to you and asking you. We're dependent on you. It's not because you've given us money or because you've given us skill or because you've given us influence, Lord. We're desperate for you to do the stuff that only you can do. So will you please do that here at Crossroads and in every single one of our lives? We're desperate for you, Lord. And we ask this all in alignment with what we believe your son is praying. In his name, in the name of Jesus, amen.
what Jesus did on the cross was so significant that we can't help but want to remember it every single week. And Jesus himself gave us an incredible way to remember it when he gave us communion. When he said, hey, when you get together, eat some bread and drink some wine and remember what I did. And so that's what we're going to do now. We remember that on the night that our Savior was betrayed, he sat at the tables with his disciples and he passed the bread to them all. And he said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us remember that he gave of himself to rescue us as we eat from the bread together. After the dinner, he took the cup and he passed it to them all. And he said, this is my blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins, the blood of the new eternal covenant. It's in remembrance of me. Let us remember that he shed his blood so that we might be forgiven as we drink from the cup together. And now, we have an opportunity to respond. We don't just remember in isolation, we remember together. And we remember and allow our emotions to get engaged. And so we're going to use music to do that. We're going to sing some songs to help our hearts get in alignment with these beautiful realities and the truth that we have forgiveness through Christ. And so I want to invite you to take a posture of worship here that's probably standing. So if you want, I'll invite you to stand. If you're at home, I don't know if you want to stand, if you want to kneel or whatever you might want to do, but take a posture that helps you to attend to God, to attend to your King. And if you're in here right now, or if you're online and you're like, man, I really actually want someone to pray with me, just like you talked about. Like we have people online that would love to be able to pray with you. All you got to do is click the little button somewhere that says request prayer. Or if you're here in the room, you can go back to this corner back here and there will be people ready to pray with you, to encourage you and to request that God bring about his power and presence in your life. So let's respond now in joy and in singing.